Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios and i'm here with somebody that is known when it comes to bringing people together um he when we think of the anchor of detroit is different being culture is somebody that definitely offers it all the time and also he was like the gateway for me to uh kick it with too short one time so that always sits in uh good regard for me shed how you feeling my brother Hey, what's going on? Hey, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Oh, man, definitely, definitely, man. I'm, I want to get a lot of you all from the the different promotion and brand ambassadors. It's almost like I, I don't even know how to label it because what you do, I believe a lot of people don't necessarily have respect for. And it's a lot of people that do it that have completely sullied the reputation of what actually creating an event and bringing people together um, around food, music, entertainment is. So, um, man, applause for, for that for, for years, you know, uh, with different types of people, different type of venues. Uh, let's start this off how I usually start it off. Uh, how did your family come to Detroit? All right. Yep. I'm um, born and raised in the D. Mm-hmm. My uh, family migrated from Florida my mom came from Florida. My dad came from Georgia. Okay. And they uh, they came to D like most people looking for opportunity in the, uh, was that like the 60s or whatever like that? Okay. Looking for, because there was a lot of jobs in Detroit. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff you could do to work, make some good money as a person of African-American background. And uh, they did that. I mean, Detroit, at one time it was like the black mecca right like kind of like how atlanta is now detroit used to hold that title back uh with 50s 60s 70s yeah 80s uh some of the 90s actually uh so with that uh what neighborhood oh i'm northwest side all day uh, well i was born like in a real rough area of detroit mm-hmm. like uh you know, Dexter neighborhood. Okay, Dexter that's Davison. not that far from, yeah, that's like stones throw from over here. Dexter Davidson neighborhood. Yeah. You still got family around there? Nah, man, nobody got family in Dexter Davidson, man. Okay. Come on. All right, what about uh, Northwest and everything? Like, uh, what what was that like? What do you remember from that neighborhood as a kid? No, it was uh, it's a good area to grow up in. You know, being from Detroit, you get to see a lot of different sides. And, you know, you get to see, you know, the good, real positive influential aspects of the city growing up in the city and then you get to see you know at arm's length like some how things can go real bad real real quick and um northwest side like i'm Livernois six mile you know because mm-hmm. when you're from the d you call mcnichols six mile right mm-hmm. so Livernois six miles where i went uh where i grew up i went to mumford high school Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people be like, first of all, they think I'm from the Burbs. I think mm-hmm. I went to school, maybe in the Burbs, whatever. No, I went to Mumford. I didn't go to Cass. I didn't go to Renaissance. Not even King. Mm-hmm. I went to Mumford. It was a good, uh, good look to go there. Uh, believe it or not. All right. So uh, just being in that neighborhood, and that neighborhood is a different. It's it's like a different feel too. Like when you think about that, because it's also like a college corridor too, uh, with Mary Grove, uh, U of D not being so far from there, uh, and then also like most Mumford Mustangs. That that was like an artsy school, like in the hood. It seemed like for some reason a lot of artists, <laughs> dance programs, band singers, programs, yeah, yeah singers. Yeah. I, I mean, and then everybody that went to Mufford was like, Eddie Murphy went here. And it's like, Eddie Murphy <laughs> didn't go there. <laughs> but but Axel Foley but, did. <laughs> yeah, Ax, Axel Foley <laughs> did go to Mumford because Jerry Bruckheimer actually did go to Mumford, if most people know it, the producer <laughs> of Beverly Hills Cop. But yeah, every Mumford Mustang gonna tell you that. <laughs> so so that's definitely one of those cool things. Entrepreneurship, because uh, that's the gateway of how I met you and connected with you. Um, did you have that in your family? Did you see that growing up? No, not really. I mean, to be real with you, man, if you live in the D, you gotta 
you got to do something and do something and do something. You got to always have an angle. You got to have a hustle, right? So it's all about how you can focus your craft, focus your skills, the things to do, right? A lot of times it's just a hobby, right? You know, mm-hmm. people do things that are they're either passionate about or things that, you know, just, you know, they enjoy having that thing occupy their time. So I, um, my focus was, you know, to get a college education. I went to Michigan State University, so I'm a Spartan. And, you know, to, to, to graduate, get a good employment, and that was life. You know what I mean? That's that's how you think of it. You you did what you needed to do, you know, so that you weren't doing what, you know, some of the people who you grew up with were doing so you can get out of that element and, and just move forward. But um, through learning, interaction, networking with different people within those circles, I mean, you become product of your environment, right? So you meet a lot of dynamic individuals who do a lot of stuff like, real real awesome type stuff so you know i went to school at michigan state with people who you know start influencing and teaching me things right you know bestowing upon you different ways to look at life and it's cool and you don't think nothing of it you're just a kid you know you're just a kid just you know learning your way you you know you got to get through school and that's tough enough to try to you know be able to keep from um, failing and to graduate be successful but then you learn things along the way, you know, just like somebody in prison learns how to be a even extended criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go into circles of people with education who are uplifting and uh, really highly intelligent and they rub off on you, too. So you look at any successful, successful individuals, things, people who are doing things that you might hold in high regard. And I bet you the people who they associate with the people in their circles are going to be just as dynamic and doing some incredible things as well. Mm-hmm. So I just got lucky to be in the right place at the right time to at least put myself in a position to be able to go to university to get an education. I graduated engineering, and so I started working at Chrysler Automotive. Like most people in, in Detroit, you know, you go, you work in the automotive industry. That's the heavy influence here. And um, it's about side hustle, right? So you could do what you do, wake up, go to work, go home, repeat, right? But you got a lot of free time in between and what you and how you take that time is all up to you. You can go to the club party, blow your money at the bars and restaurants, or you can figure out how you can invest in yourself and invest in a vision or plan or something that you want to create and you build on it. So my uh, creations were uh, real estate development. Obviously, we're in Detroit and everybody, if you if you f- somewhere else in the country and you say you're from Detroit, oh, is it true you could buy a house for five dollars? Uh, yeah, you can. You can buy a house for five dollars, you know, but you could buy one for fifty grand too. So, I got involved with real estate, and a lot of people who I was associated with. Uh, I'm an alpha, alpha Phi alpha fraternity incorporated, and a lot of my bros in, in the circles were heavy into real estate. And as a young, um, you know, recently graduated uh, college student, college grad, and then. Uh, around the circles of people who are older, connected through fraternity, they're saying, "Hey, this is the new move. You you buy you you buy property, you buy houses, you fix them up, you rent them, you flip them. This is how you could do it. We'll give you the tools, resources, show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Once again, circles of influence of people to show you ways that you can you know create hustles for yourself. Mm-hmm. And and the more you hustle, the more you learn about life, the world, and yourself." So uh, those properties that you bought, the what neighborhoods were you buying properties in? Man, my first property I bought on the east side of Detroit, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest, I'm one of those west siders who don't really know Go much about the east side, side. Mm-hmm. can't navigate on the east side. You know, back mm-hmm. before uh, GPS, GPS, you were getting lost every you, time. Man, it'd be a map. I, I'd have a map <laughs> just to know how to. How to ride around on it because east side streets don't go north and south it's, yeah, it's diagonal and then everything you may diagonal. Run right into the airport and you're like oh man yeah so I, like, bought, I was just on out of drive how am i on out of drive and exactly. out of drive right out of drive and out of drive and it's like i know seven mile okay yep. i know seven mile <laughs> right and that's, that's all you got you see seven mile right but um so my first property was like <laughs> warren and connor okay and obviously i got no business on Warren and Connor, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who comes from that area knows that everybody from that area know everybody. And yeah. if you ain't from that area, you ain't they from know that, that area. You're not from around. You there. ain't from there. You didn't go to Finney. Yep. You ain't got no business over Warren and Connor. So mm-hmm. but anyway, I bought my first property there. I think I bought it for like five grand. Mm-hmm. It was something like that. It might have been even cheaper than that, man. It was it was a real inexpensive property, but it was my first 
it was your first investment. It's the first investment. It's like, man, I got I got me a crib, you know. Now I got to put some money in it, fix it up, and you know, you got that dream, right? You know, you see other people do it, so you you have the wherewithal to understand there's a process to be able to be successful. You do everything, you put all this money into it. He's like, man, I'm gonna get some renters in this house, and you're just excited about it. You go home, you wake up, you come back to you know finish the renovations. You realize that somebody took everything out the crib, mm. everything. Yep. Right. Yep. And you have to just be ready, like mentally, to just know that you know certain elements, certain things that you have to deal with, and that you can come back from it. Yeah. It teaches you a lot about life, about uh, being able to be resilient, and to you know be able to hit roadblocks, and for someone to um, tell you that you can't do something or I'm going to take something from you and for you to still stay on your ground and be able to overcome yeah. all of that adversity. And definitely in entrepreneurship, um, one of the key things I often tell people is <laughs> nobody's in business to help you make money. So it's a lot of people in business that will, you know, give you ideas, but every idea is going to cost you money. And sometimes <laughs> that person putting in the hot water tank, maybe the person walking out with the hot water tank. The Him or his week. cousin. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so being mindful of what industry to get in. And as you talk about the resilience, the business people I honor most are the people that stay in business the longest. And that's why I tip my hat to the you and drinks and the people and Darnell Macon, uh, definitely your homie, um, that do this for a long time. So from real estate, how did you end up getting into, uh, events and things like that? Well, I mean, real estate was real good. You know, the whole, objective was to own 10 properties if you could own 10 properties you were pretty much a millionaire right mm -hmm. um and the game was you know to fix up the houses get the appraisals pull out equity and use that to uh to get more properties mm -hmm. and then pull out more equity and to get better properties get better so properties so you upgrade you get renters you flip it you make money and so all in all if you were able to get to 10 then you was booming Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you, because now, you know, real estate, what's different about real estate is that it's not just something for the moment. It, it's an appreciable, valuable, valuable asset. And wait, now, what are you speaking on? If you don't understand this, let me let me be direct to my people listening to this an appreciating asset. This is definitely an, an accounting term, but it's something that appreciates in value, meaning that even if you don't do anything to a home is going to raise in value as things go. Unlike a car which is a depreciating asset, meaning that even if you put the best rims on it, the best sound system, no matter what, the car is going to continue to lose money. As they say, the minute it drives off the lot, the minute you break ground on a home, it continues to appreciate in value. Yep. Yep. Very good uh, assessments for those people who don't understand the difference between an appreciable asset and something that is depreciating just, just straight uh, expense. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so from my standpoint, um, that was goal is to be driven to 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 do the real estate because being in Detroit, we had a unique opportunity that we had the access to be able to go out there and to get property, to mm -hmm. fix it up, rent it, flip it, or things of that sort. As everyone who's I guess old enough to know, you know, uh, the economy and things changed around you know like about two thousand seven. You start seeing it. Yeah. It was it was it was kind of headed that way. In two, mm -hmm. like I knew the height of something was going on because there was somebody I knew that just she just graduated from high school at 19 and she was like I'm in real estate now I flip houses <laughs> so it was like almost everybody was talking about flipping houses yeah. you know they had an Escalade and they were flipping house it was like they flipped a house they got an Escalade and I'm like something's interesting going on with this real estate man yeah, soon after real. like around 2005 2006 2007 definitely 2008 um yeah by then it was it, the the writing was on the wall and things had changed and it changed hard. And so people who, who lived during that time period, I think that there's, there's more to their character because they had to deal with some real tough situations. I mean, the comp the country went into a, a real recession, right? And, you know, here I was, you know, uh, college graduate, you know, good job, great job. Um, a booming business in real estate and then everything just like in overnight fashion just turned and you know all those things that I've been learning <laughs> had to put into action now right how to be resilient how to bounce back when something happens so properties property value um you know didn't appreciate and then you had to uh 
make some tough decisions about what you're going to do about those about those properties. Banks and, were pulling and, out the loans, the loans you had taken, those yeah. equities you pulled out now became term loans. And uh, what you're talking about is as people talk about your home being underwater or your home being upside down, meaning you owe more on the home Real than quick. the value of the home. And that happened to a lot of people. And so you had to make a decision to let it go or, you know, just hold on to it. So in my case, uh, I, I had quite a few properties at the time and I had to make some uh, calculated decisions. Um, the property I had on the east side being the first one that I bought was kind of sentimental for me. Mm-hmm. But um, I should have let that go. That should have been the first thing I let go. But, you know, you get caught up like, hey, I didn't spend that much money for it. I could hold on to it as a sentimental thing. Man, I should have just let that thing go. Mm-hmm. Um, it drained me. It and it drained me, but it just drug me, and I didn't have to let it dra- drag me. It's just you have to just always be willing to accept change, right? To adapt to you know changing conditions and situations, and not to just get caught so much in something that this is the way you do things or this is how you feel about something. You have to be able to stay adaptable to your environment that changes. And so I so I eventually changed and. Um, I had some houses northwest side that were, you know, really, really good. And so I kept on those and I put my resources into that. Now, from a real what you're speaking about in business is the other thing. And and this is the I guess you could say the uh, the cruelty or the uh, sometimes the um, the sadness of America is that uh, the, 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 the Chinese proverb in crises comes opportunity. Because there was a lot of great homes that people were walking away from. Like, it was a point in time where you probably could walk into Sherwood Forest and get one of the best homes you could think of for a couple thousand dollars. There there was a lot of that Sherwood Forest uh, property Palmer flipping Woods. and uh, buying, and it had a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff was Rosedale real Park. sticky for those people who know what I'm talking about. If you did anything over in Sherwood Forest. You know, those were the properties that, you know, the feds were uh, and it was were very much involved with what's going on with these business transactions. Yeah. And um, yeah. there was there was some real suspect activity going on. And mm-hmm. and in and, and, and the big people, the people who started this thing that, you know, I'm be careful with the words that I choose with it. But, you know, those people got in, got out. They lived fat and everyone else who followed behind them, you know, had to deal with the wrath of what was coming for some of the things that uh, some people were involved with. Fortunately for me, I always did everything above ground, the things that I was involved with. I, I you know, I try to never get involved with some things that, you know, I got to look over my shoulder, you mm-hmm. know, is somebody going to catch me on something? I mean, I, I only want to be involved with positive situations. And so, I mean, I moved forward and um, to this day, I still have appreciable assets, but um, not, nearly to the level of what I, I had back, you know, in the in the two thousand early two thousands, whatever you like that. But you, you live, you learn and you move with the flow of business. But right now, like that's around the time when I met you too. And you were you were starting to do different events and offering that into that world. And and how did that lane open up or how did you explore that business opportunity well, it's, it's all like a it's all part of my story you know um when my objective to going to university and getting a degree was to work and have a good job you know to be you know like an adult but then i got the hustle and the, the point of the hustle was you know to you know both have a job and to create you know financial security for me and one day a family or something like that that would happen but then when things turn south then it was like to say, hey, you know, I've got a different uh, skill sets that I can put into action because this property thing isn't doing what I thought it was going to do, isn't doing what I needed to do right now because of the economic conditions that's happening. But I know something that I can do that is um, going to still be good, even though everything else is going bad. And a skill set that I learned in college was putting together events and parties. Mm-hmm. And, and helping people to have a good time. And so I transitioned out of the real estate development, uh, no longer a real estate mogul, and into into the party game. We'll call it that. And okay. So I got into the party game. So some people will say I never left it, 
but it was a very conscious decision that once I graduated from college, I mean, when I was at Michigan State University, we used to do a lot of events. We used to do a lot of parties. Everyone in Michigan State who was there during a period of time knew, like, okay, Michigan State was the place you had to go to. It was the party school. And I was in the middle of that, you know, as being the party mecca of the state of Michigan. And people, even from other uh, states, would come out like, oh, man, there's a party at Michigan State. We're going to it. And I was probably involved with it. So I switched out of real estate back heavy into parties but you know it's a huge transition right it's you know when you're doing parties with kids like 18 and under college type parties it's not the same thing when you're doing 21 and up it's not the same game it's completely different and a lot of people who do parties in college they can't make that transition into uh, the adult party world because it is different and you have to be able to adjust and adapt and so I was able to successfully um, adjust and adapt but I started small right and I told people who want to get into the game that, you know, you have to start small, you build up your base, you build up your brand of who you are and what people can expect from an event that you host. You, you don't necessarily need to join up with a bunch of other people to say, hey, we did a big party. When you get more value, uh, equity in your own brand, when you create something, even if it's a party with only 50, 60 people, you can do a lot better with a 50, 60 person party and an adequate space than doing a 500-person party with a whole bunch of people and your brand is never realized. So I, I try to um, teach as much as possible, try to mentor you know people out here trying to get into entertainment and doing things, hosting events, that you have to build your brand. Your brand has to be unique to you, and people have to want to like your brand, thus like you, mm-hmm. and that you should spend the time of building that and helping people to have a good time the way that you want them to have a good time and not just coming together just in numbers. It's, it's cultivating an environment that people want to be in. So cultivating a building, what I usually say is it's the experience because that's why a person is getting out the house. And uh, some, of the, some of the events more so, and I think, you know, different people like have different flow. So uh, right now as I'm growing growing in age and everything but like almost from what would i say maybe like 27 to 31 i mean i i would i would show up at one of your events at least <laughs> once every other month you know but i thought that that was that for me that was like my flow my age when i was in the mix of that you know so like um even knowing that that mix and it was always an experience a different call to action a different theme um and your brand kind of laid a um, laid an essence of what the uh, of what the event was, you know, like uh, you know, being at some of the events you do, you look up and it's like, man, that's Rip Hamilton from the Pistons over there, you know. But it would be cool. It, I guess it wasn't in today's era where everybody was like, let's do a selfie. I don't know. We had camera phones, <laughs> but it wasn't. I guess Instagram. <laughs> what? Thing. Yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, Rip's over there, but it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, let, let, let's touch on that a bit about how things have changed significantly, yeah, right? So, yeah. when I got into the party game, it was it was wide open. I mean, there were some groups that did parties, and people would go to their parties because they're doing doing the event, and that's how I learned. It's like you know, people gotta want you have to be known, and people have to know you. Mm-hmm. And so, the, my, the name of my company that I formed, um, I did it with uh, uh, my frat brother Eric Hamilton. It was called SinglesDetroit.net, and we had a like a niche. We just said, hey, we're going to bring people together. We're going to do things like speed dating. We're going to uh, help people to interact socially with each other. And people are going to want to come into the space, spaces that we're hosting because they know that they're going to meet other cool, interesting people. Mm-hmm. And that was the niche. And people liked it, right? Because now it's not just about coming and just being there. It's about coming and the actual engagement. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they did. And so that built a base. And so people, would, I would hear people say stuff like, oh, I'm going to a shared event. Right? Yeah, that's it, so, that's that's exactly <laughs> what we started saying. Yeah, I didn't even know you had Eric as a partner. It'd be like, yeah, we're going to shared thing. Yeah, so yeah. Like we're going to a shared event, right? So I'm like, man, it's like, you know, and then it's just more and more, it's like shared events, right? Whose party's out on a shared event? You knew what to expect for it, right? What I was known for was that it was going to be girl heavy. It was going to be a lot of ladies. They were going to be educated, sexy, and most likely drunk. And uh, they... They could be dancing on the bar, right? And we, uh, I hooked up with uh, my partner, brother from another mother, uh, um, Ellis Hayes the second, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that helped escalate things, the whole movement. We, we had a whole Detroit movement. Like people were talking about us, our events, our parties, and what was happening in Detroit. They were talking about it in other cities, other states, whatever, because it was just it was just that phenomenal, right? We were doing a party. We came up with the, the title of the, the party, which now people still say, oh, you remember that? Free Love Fridays. Right. <laughs> so we said, let's just, co- just call the party Free Love Fridays. And people are like, what does that mean? <laughs> like you come out and you find out. Right. Mm-hmm. And you walk into that party. F- Free Love Fridays. It's like it was just like all the movers and shakers in the city. You know, back this is during the time when people had money. You know, people was living life like for real. You know, like so popping bottles was like nothing. It was just automatic. You know, hey, give me a bottle of this. Give me a bottle. It was a lot of people. Uh, it was a lot of men trying to keep up with the Joneses, probably popping bottles, not paying rent. Connected to that bottle, that. though. <laughs> it was popping the bottle because it's like you just had to do that because because the way it worked back then is that whoever was popping bottles had the girls, right? Mm-hmm. Because the girls saw who was popping bottles, and you got the bottles so the girls can sit with you in your booth, or whatever, mm-hmm. because that's who they were going to sit with. Whoever's got the bottles. You know, now, you know, girls have to pop their own bottles. But back then it was just like, hey, we got the drink and then the girls would get, you know, tipsy. And then they dance on the furniture, dance on the bar, dance on speakers. I mean, I mean, let's be serious. We were doing a party in a hole, hole in the wall club that should have been condemned the first day that we were doing parties. But the people, the caliber of people who attended these parties were, you know, the best of the best of Detroit. Um, And they came there because it was a place that they knew that they would be safe. And that they would have a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't come in with foolishness. It was just all about, look, man, we about to come meet some people. The girls went there because we gonna meet somebody. Mm-hmm. The guys went there because we definitely gonna meet some some uh, some some nice ladies. So it was um it was a movement. It was a movement, and that all came out of the resilience of doing one thing, which was the real estate that didn't work out due to the ec- economic conditions of America. Into like, okay, now doing something that um was resilient against what was happening. Um, in the rest of the world as far as the economy now now that call to action like what type of database were you building over time because like i say i would maybe come every other month and i'm pretty sure most people would you may have that one faithful person that comes every time but average <laughs> you know i assume most people even if they clubbing they come in you know man it was people came a lot and the database uh grew uh, what i realized early was that the 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 power was in the information um, and, and, get, and getting connected to people because this is before social media, right? We were still on, we went from Black Planet to MySpace, to MySpace right? And, you know, that was the social connection was MySpace. So you start to know people by what their MySpace profile was. Yep. And like it was girls who was just like, you know, the, the the social media, like you call them Instagram models now, but like on MySpace, they were all of that. Like MySpace models. MySpace model, man. That girl could be in the club. You're like, oh, my gosh, she's on MySpace. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and they would come to our parties. They would come to our events, whatever. And, and be honest, like some of these girls were like really, really pretty, but socially awkward mm-hmm. individuals. But they were uh, tech savvy enough to build up their world which was on myspace to make themselves look like just you know something out of this world but they were just regular regular people and some of them had you know regular people issues but they built themselves up through social media the beginning of social media to be you know bigger than life and this was like a start of so much that has changed as i even look at my younger cousins that have grew up their whole life with social media and um it's just unique, just their social engage, like you know, the way they communicate and interact and engage. Um, <laughs> you say engage, man. You take one of these Instagram models now and you put her in a room and have a conversation with her. It, it, there's a pretty good chance that she's going to be socially awkward, or she's not going to be us, to us, to, to, like, to us. Yes. Like uh, I talk to my little sister all the time. Like uh, one time we we were in the car having a conversation, and it's like we in the texting stage. She was talking about a guy. She's dating or whatever and i'm like so you don't have a phone conversation with them like no we got to build up the phone i'm like wouldn't you want to at least have a conversation before it's like to me that's the backwards way but i'm 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 older like it seems like you would start with conversation to know like who are you before i can just text you all day in this weird cycle of i don't even know how to respond to a text you know they they don't i mean we we went from like hey give me your phone number yeah let me write your phone number on a piece of paper on a napkin or something like that okay i'll call you yeah 
to now, you know, then people say, hey, just text me. To now you in the club or somewhere. Give me your some, IG. It's the IG name. Like, so it's like, all right, we can communicate this way. I'm wow. like, and, and like me, like I'm an OG in the game. So I'm looking at someone. How am I supposed to remember your IG name? Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to remember your IG and name. And then I got to search you. And then it's like, I'm looking at your profile picture. It's like, is that you? It's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's they don't, they don't get it. Like, uh, I don't care. Your name no. is smiley face. One, two, three, underscore, you know, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, and use special hashtag, under tag. And yeah. so what, like, no, no. What's your name? What's your number? Let me keep it moving because I already got 50,000 contacts in my three phones. Yeah. I mean, I ain't got time to be trying to remember. Yeah. To, to store phone numbers and, and IG, IG, IG handles. And which that kind of brings me to the next level of this because, uh, you know, they say it's the best form of flattery, imitation, because oftentimes, and and I've as in me doing events, because I was, and I, I I've always done it different tied to music. But one of the things that I've learned is like you know, I'll work with a place, and then I'll do a couple of events there, and then they'll raise the rates or you know twist my arm. But basically, the relationship didn't stay, and then the venue does tries to mimic what I'm doing, and I've definitely seen that with you oftentimes how um how did you handle the imitation uh and people mimicking and trying to recreate some of the things you were building and creating hey i'll be honest with you um i've learned at an early stage that in your process of growth uh information knowledge should be shared the only way that you grow is the more that you share okay and so when someone mimics imitates steals something that i've created or you know conceptually that i've helped develop yes it is um the highest form of flattery and um i look at it as what they're doing is what i did right mm. i'm growing so what i did is old now and so what i'm doing is what's the new thing and so mm. anything that i put together and someone can duplicate it imitate it and you know basically jack it that's cool because that's the old stuff. Mm -hmm. Like for what I'm doing new, you can't keep up with that. Wow. And so so that's the way I have to look at it, you know, because there's nothing you can do, no copyright protection, court orders that can keep someone from from liking your style and mimicking it, right? All you can do as an individual entity or what have you is to continue your your growth, right? You never stop growing. You never stop striving or reaching you know, you, you see that and you don't think twice about it. You know, when you see, you know, ads or whatever saying, hey, keep reaching or keep higher going, you know. What I did today is already old. And what I'm doing tomorrow doesn't exist yet. And so what I'm on is what I'm doing in the future. And so what things you might mimic or try to try to jack from me right now is my old stuff. So it's almost uh, like what Jay-Z said. You want my old stuff, buy my old album. So it's almost that you take that flattery in stride and say, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and, and because you, it, that's all part of like staying one one step ahead of, of the game or uh, doing things that are, uh, you know, years ahead of where people can really comprehend and react or, or understand what you are trying to do or what, what you are doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of things I've been involved with, have been on, you know, levels that are like, you know, a few years ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole reality show thing, like we had a little reality, reality show called Detroit After Dark. And we did this in 2007, 2008, mm -hmm. way before our time, right? The whole reality thing didn't blow up until like maybe 2010, yeah, you know? Yeah, 2010, and 11, so, yeah. So we were like too early, right? And then the other thing is that we were trying to put together a show and we were trying to, um, shop the content to uh, networks, right? We were trying to shop it to like, hey, we want this network, we want MTV, we want BT for them to pick up this reality show. Now people create a show and they say, I'm my own network. It. Yeah, yeah. We're you know, it, I don't need what I'm doing with Detroit yeah. is different. I'm gonna create my own vehicle. Yep. And that was, um, if I'd have knew that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. If I'd have knew then, back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. That that it will, instead of trying to sell to a network or distrib distribution uh, source to create your own, right? But we just didn't have the resources then. Yeah, right? it's more tools like uh, those those tools and what I'm doing. And I'm definitely not one to say that it's easy, but in some ways I kind of feel like you because it it's a lot of people that see what you're doing is like Psh, I can do that. 
but <laughs> the the toughest thing of doing this is actually continuing to do it and as you continue to do it that's the other thing in that world of offering partying uh and entertainment events um like me you know you you have a group of people but they may age out and then you need to reach that new group of people how have you dealt with that flow of of creating you know uh something that engages the the audience that's that's there knowing that you need to be welcoming that new audience that will need to come man i tell you it's a secret that's not really a secret and it's something that people just can't really get a handle on we get so caught up in us as ourselves that we're the reason why people are coming out or doing something or involved with it it's because of you your personality is what you create or or have to create you know the idea you know Mm -hmm. and that's the first step in branding you're creating a brand Mm -hmm. but your brand should be bigger than you as an individual Mm -hmm. so in 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 my journey through you know the the party guy world i reached a point when i realized that parties were not where it's at it's it's not about the party it's not about hey i'm gonna be in a nightclub till i'm 50 years old you know partying Mm -hmm. that's not what it was it's about how can you create something that's so big bigger than who you are and people forget what your name is or or never even meet you or or know anything about you but something that you create and that you do is so big that people all over the world know about it and, and they can relate to it no matter what their age is. And so it's, it's the evolution from doing something where it's all about you to doing something where it's all about the brand. Right. And so that was the creation of MLK ski weekend, a niche event that didn't have a lot of competition because it's obviously something inherently different yeah, <laughs> from what indeed. anything, what we're, we're going to do. And so I, I tell anybody who's trying to get into doing something, Look to see where, you know, there's opportunity because there's nobody else doing it yeah. or it's something that you can get people interested in. You know, whether, whether you're here like you're in the city of Detroit. Right. And you're saying, hey, I'm going to run a soccer program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Soccer is something that they do all over the world. But, you know, how much are they doing it in the city? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The city of Detroit. So there's a niche that you can you capitalize can on doing something yeah. that there's resources for you to be able to be successful in the creation of it but there's not a lot of other static, you know, trying to do the exact same thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. So this whole MLK ski weekend came about. I started getting involved with that early, like, you know, around 2004. And it was just kind of like, it's something that I, I, I participated in and I really liked it. I liked the people who participated in it. I liked the people who, um, how it changed their life in the way they thought. And then the type of caliber of people that participate in something like this, it's something like, it's not a typical thing you could do. It's like, yo, I'm gonna go do this. And then, um, I'm going to connect with the people who I, who I met at a, in an activity event like this. And so it was exciting. And so I got involved with it. I took it over because the originators who, who started it couldn't keep up with the, 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 the demand. capacity of it. It, it. it wasn't even that it was getting big because it wasn't really that big. It was just they didn't use the resources and tools that uh, technology had brought to the market you were your skill sets and talents man it's like first of all you got to be technologically savvy right yeah during this time when i started doing mlk ski weekend no one would buy anything on the internet no one would put their credit card on the internet Mm -hmm. people didn't want to go to websites they wanted to meet at the at the mall shopping center give you a check that would bounce and you wouldn't even know that it bounced (laughs) until weeks later after they've already been on the trip and, uh-huh. and then got back and like, oh, man, you know, your check bounce. Like, oh, for real. Oh, for real. <laughs> <laughs> they know that. They write that check like. They knew Woo! it was going to bounce. And so they just had a great time and they will not give you your money. So the point is, is online transactions, right? Yep. It was new. And people told me, like, I will never put my credit card on the Internet because someone will. Someone will steal my credit card yeah, yeah. number and take all my money. Yep. I will never yep. do that. I remember those days. And I was like, look, the only way I'm doing business with people from all over the place is is if they do online transactions because people are going to come from all over the world. They can't meet me at the at Northland, right? <laughs> Northland ain't even there. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't meet me at Northland. Northland ain't there, but the online transaction still is, right? Uh-huh. So 
um, it's the development using technology and resources. And, and once again, like I said earlier, is, is being able to adapt to your to your surroundings environment and to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. It's not to get caught in doing things only one way, but to always constantly improve yourself, improve your situation. And what you did yesterday is old. What you're doing today is already obsolete. And what you're doing tomorrow is the new thing. Um, MLK Ski Weekend is the new thing. So it's in its 24th year now, um, January 17th through 20th. Um, we're expecting 3,000 people that are coming from all over the country and other parts of the world. And it was able to grow because my thought was instead of doing parties for the purpose of getting door admission at parties, do parties for the purpose of getting information and branding for people to feel comfortable or to like your brand to take them to a, a deeper level of a, a major event, which would be MLK Ski Weekend. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. And, and yeah, I've, I've watched it grow over the years. Uh, and it's, man, it, it's definitely stretched to more and more people to the point now where it is something that I know is connected to you and Darnell Macon, but uh, like even the party where we just reconnected where I'm like, man, I need to get you on Detroit is different. Um, you're in there and I'm like, man, this dude is like an OG, but the whole party is around you. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I guess I get, I'm like, I don't even know if people connect that this dude has a whole lot to do with this whole, you know, you and make it like it's, it's exactly like what you said. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's how it is. Like I, I didn't, grow up saying hey when i when i grow up i'm gonna do this right Mm -hmm. you don't you don't know what where you're gonna be where where life's gonna take you but what you do know is that you always want to be ready right as everyone say if you stay ready you don't have to get ready Mm -hmm. you have to be ready for when opportunity presents itself because sometimes it only comes once and you got that one shot and so mlkc weekend is something that has been able to not only be sustained but to also grow and it's still growing. It has no ceiling right now. Um, people throughout the entire country know where it is, know what it's about. They could be from Florida, Texas, California, New York, D.C., Chicago, Tennessee. doesn't matter. They've heard of it. They know about it. And if they haven't been to it, they at least are telling other people about it or they're talking about it or they're looking at images or looking at social media related to it. And they're providing more reinforcements for the brand. And so that's what I tell people is about building a brand, a brand that doesn't have to depend on who the individual is, but it's the brand itself that people have the interest in. Yep. And then it also becomes a vehicle to connect that brand with other, I guess, businesses, other brands. Uh, it, it can become more of an asset, sort of uh, like this. Uh, the NBA, for instance, is that as an association but under that banner is the detroit pistons the chicago bulls or something like that it's not like one of the things where like oh man you know mike what's gonna happen to the nba when michael jordan no longer play <laughs> I, I remember that discussion you remember that discussion yeah and yeah. it's like okay you got shaquille o'neal you got kobe bryant you got all these other players what's gonna happen when lebron retires the nba the nba is going to continue to evolve and they're going to continue to do things in different ways to keep people engaged it's a business and it's a brand right it's a it's a brand that understands that it's bigger than an individual yeah unlike uh one of my favorite sports and and we got a big one coming up now boxing which i think definitely relies so much on the person that you know boxing is still there what you're saying yeah it's got how much more what you're time? saying hey hey i'm still i'm still a hey, fan hey shout out to my man tony tony Harrison. tony he's gonna tony, fight charlo this weekend he, he, this weekend he's fighting so yeah he's he's last part of boxing right you know i mean obviously it's a it's something that's very relevant for us in detroit you yeah. know but the sport itself um nothing like the other sports we've seen grow up yeah. and when we were younger boxing was the sport yeah, you had Tyson, Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. I mean, it's heavyweights. You know, you had those big names and heavyweights. But it relies so much on a person and not the brand that it disconnects, unlike with the UFC, which is the brand, the brand. more than the person. You don't even know the fighters in, in UFC. People you just watching. know the brand. Yeah, people are just like, hey, <laughs> It doesn't even matter. I don't even know, yeah. matter who's fighting. We just know this is going to be a good show. I'm going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I, I get to watch these people, uh, and I don't know what, what country they're from or anything. I don't know how old they are, but it's UFC night. I'm watching. So that's the, the, the brand idea. 
you know uh where where do you see everything going in the future uh with uh with everything happening uh will it be i know it's new ideas but anything you're willing to share i mean you know constantly working on new stuff um where you could take things i think that um I've just been fortunate enough to, you know, come across some real dynamic people, individuals, right? Mm -hmm. You know, anything that I've done and how I've been able to accomplish it, accomplish it definitely wasn't just like me waking up saying, hey, I can do this, right? It's being able to connect with people who help instill in me, you know, vision, um, help instill in me, you know, resilience and being able to, you know, come up with some new creative things. Um, so where the future is going it's 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 just constantly evolving right because once you figure out hey this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to do it then it's about moving on to the next thing it, it just never stops and that's one thing just to realize about the world is that you know entertainment and and how we live in this world is always going to is always going to change and for you to always just be open and use that um old adage you know if you stay ready you never have to be ready and and that's where i am right now i'm just always open and ready for you know the next thing and, and and when i'm doing the next thing i won't even realize that this is hey the next thing it's just taking everything that i've learned and being able to apply those principles into something that will hopefully become what is what everyone's calling the next thing uh okay classic detroit is different questions i got for you um first one your very first car what year making model was it what year you get it <laughs> first car was a pontiac 6000 it was a I think the year was a 86, 86 Pontiac 6000. It was gray. I got it uh, in 1992. All right. Where was the first place you went when you got it? <laughs> where did I go? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember where I went in the car. I was just happy to have a car. Okay. You was just happy to be rolling. <laughs> you was happy to be rolling. I feel that. Um, you are the DJ at the end of the Detroit Fireworks uh, you're at Woodward and Jefferson. You can play three songs. What songs are you playing? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I really wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> I got to stay ready, but I wasn't ready for that one. I could play three songs. Yep. And this is uh, at the fireworks. Yep. So the fireworks got they like just a real, So this is like a real diverse crowd. So so I want everybody to keep that in perspective for the stuff I'm going to come up with that I'm thinking about, like, who the audience is, right? Um, song uh, number one will be Whoop. There it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll go from Whoop. There it is to uh, uh, was it was that Cool in the Game Celebration? Yep. Okay. People people pick that song a lot. Actually, I mean, it, I mean that reminds me of the Bablo Boat. Now I'm really dating myself. You know, mm -hmm. being on the Bablo Boat. That was the song they played every time on the Bablo Boat. Was celebrate, mm -hmm. celebrate. Mm -hmm. like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. no, that's some old school, old school. Mm -hmm. All right, and uh, the third song would be, uh, um, <laughs> third song would be uh, trying to keep it diverse, right? Because you know, with fireworks in Detroit, mm -hmm. the new Detroit has changed. You know, what I'm saying mm -hmm. um, we go with um, uh, would. <laughs> I don't know, man. Y'all gonna have to help me out with the third song, man. It'd be third just song, like whatever. Song. Yeah. Um, most people pick. Uh, uh, probably the most famous song would be September from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh my gosh! Now, now you on Shane Park now, man. You said this fireworks. I guess we're uh, Shane just Park. You, that's that's what the <laughs> the most popular song is. Um, but you know, I don't know what I I, I probably I, I would play all songs for me. I would play Parliament. I play you know. It's okay. I mean, you, you can go knee some George deep. Clinton. I play knee deep, but but it definitely got to be something that can relate to everybody. You know, whether they're kids or they're mm -hmm. real old people. If they're you know, no matter what their background is, it's just certain songs that they just connect. They connect to. I mean, what about that one song um, by Europe that the Pistons used to play all the time? Uh, the Final Countdown. Oh yeah, yeah. The Final Countdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. I am uh, black, but yeah, I know that. It's that the band is called count, Europe, and it's the called final, the Final. Oh, I mean, it was the Pistons song, the same way that uh, the Bulls. I mean, you know, I, I tell people about like seeing Jordan <laughs> on WGN. They had the dun, dun 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 dun. I'm forgetting the name of that song, but you knew like that was the song. Like each stadium had a song back in the day. Yeah, that's true. Um, last question: You can rename Woodward after one D Trader. Who would it be? Why? Oh, uh, Woodward. Yep. <laughs> 
That's like the most prominent street in the city, huh? Yep. That's a tough one, man. Who I would name it after. Um, I think, like, you know, people who have uh, done a lot for the city. Um, there's people who stuck with the uh, stuck with the city, done their thing. It's yeah. one name. Just trying to be funny, but I'll be serious. I mean, that's really a hard one, man. Who I mean, who would be deserving? Because any any name that you come out with, then is it's going to be like someone said. Well, why would it be that person? You know, instead of someone else. So why would you choose choose that situation? Um, you know, like in Detroit. I mean, you know, you had guys like I mean, real talk. Like Malcolm X was influential in Detroit, big time, right? You know, we don't really talk about as much about his, um, um, you know contributions to the city but you know uh, he brought a lot of people to the city mm -hmm. right like we talked about like people who came to detroit and why they came to detroit a lot of people came to detroit because malcolm x was you know in the city um so that would be a, a person of consideration um i guess my favorite mayor you know some people might not like this but my favorite mayor was dennis archer mm -hmm. he was favorite he was my favorite mayor mm -hmm. um i think he did a lot to hold the city down during a time where, you know, times were still good and, you know, Detroit was, I mean, it was flourishing, mm -hmm. you know, it was flourishing. I mean, we talk about, you know, how, you know, you know, we were getting it in and stuff like that. And of course, you know, c coming after him was homeboy. Mm -hmm. My mayor killed Patrick. Yeah. Homeboy, frat brother, man. It's frat. <laughs> mayor killed Patrick. He down there in Dallas right now. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, but no, I'd look at Malcolm X. Well, we're, why not? We're a black city. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah, 80% still. Yep. There we go. Shed, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing some uh, vision. You gave a lot of business perspective to folks. I hope people take some time out and learn about the resilience and uh, the tenacity it takes to be in business and then just move. It seems like your uh, your journey has, uh, has you in a path of constant growth you got to man just keep striving and keep reaching all right thank you sir black revolutionaries distillery owners italian fashion retailers and motown grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on detroit is different Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.